Yes, he's good. He's good. Yes, Lord. Father, we uh, we come and we just we we lay ourselves at your feet. We pour ourselves out this morning. I thank you for worship. I thank you for um, your spirit being here this morning. And Lord, sometimes it's just it's just time. We just have to jump in this morning. And so I, I pray for your Holy Spirit to be here. We pray every Sunday. We should be praying every day that. We don't want to move forward unless your spirit is in the room. And Lord, your spirit comes when two or more are gathered. But Lord, that there's unity between the people. So I pray specifically for that this morning. That you would bring us to a place of unity. Knowing that we're walking this road together. We're doing this together. So Lord, uh, I pray that whatever comes across the pulpit this morning would be effectively communicated and we would be able to open up the word of God and see what you say about how to live, not right, but righteously. According to your scriptures, Lord, that's how we want to live our life. So we love you and we thank you and we pray for your presence to be here this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Thank you for joining us this morning kind of have a lot to do today <laughs> we had the the presentation we had alec getting up here talking us talking to us about the the prayer card process and um, we have communion this morning as well so we don't want to keep you here till 3 p.m you know what i'm saying so we just got to jump into it <laughs> but again thank you for being here i always say that you could be anywhere on a sunday morning but you choose to be here with us and for that we are we are honored i am thankful for that but great easter sunday service last year or last year wow last week amen hopefully everybody had um, a good easter day brunch lunch dinner whatever you chose to do you spend it with family but we understood and, and took out of the word last week that his resurrection happened <laughs> and it's something that was irreversible And because of that, there was an irreversible truth that followed. An irreversible act brought an irreversible truth. And thank God for that. Amen? That, you know, sometimes we don't necessarily live as though he he was resurrected. So kind of being confronted with that fact. Does my life show that he is the resurrected king every single day? Because whether I do that or not, it doesn't negate the fact that he walked out of the tomb. And that's the part I'm so thankful for. Regardless of how I feel, he still walked out. Regardless of what's going on in my life, he still rose from the dead. And it's because of that that we all are here today. Amen? Yeah. And so I thank um, Carrie and Susan and the rest of our campaign team for giving us a little bit of an update on what's going on with this building process this building campaign and ladies and gentlemen today is it's we're not going to take a step back from nehemiah there's some things in nehemiah that are apropos to where we're at concerning this building campaign but i'm going to come at you guys this morning in reference to that in reference to this building simply because it was maybe hard to see it on the the screen back there but Kerry touched on a, a, a point. He used 
the language that this is doable. $250,000. Wow. That seems like a lot of money. Well, what we see in Nehemiah is that this man built this wall. And I'll give you some dimensions on this wall in in this message. It's unbelievable. But he built this wall in 52 days. And the way that he did it is he appealed to the people to build right in front of their home. You don't have to take care of the whole wall. You don't have to take care of $250,000 by yourself. You don't even have to take care of five grand by yourself. But what is the Lord asking you to build and take care of just right in front of your house? Just right in front. Just do your part. And so what I want to do is appeal to you guys today as the senior pastor at ESIS leading us through this campaign. That number one, guys, I cannot do this without you. But we cannot do this without each other. And we sure cannot do it apart from what the word says about how it's supposed to be done. Amen. And so the reason why I don't want to take a step back from Nehemiah is because the Lord in what he has done with Eus from her conception up until now. There's no coincidence that we went through the book of Haggai and we are in the book of Nehemiah. Because the parallel of our journey up until now, especially in the past five years, five or six years, coincides in a divine manner with Haggai and Nehemiah. And as I read through this, I see these parallels and I'm like, my goodness, I don't have to take a step back from Nehemiah because it's all right there. And where we are in scripture, we're going to be looking at Nehemiah 2, 3 through 8, and then also 11 through 15. The Lord has us right where he wants us and right where he needs us. Now, you see the title of this message. It says an arena for answered prayer. Maybe a month ago or so. We got to the beginning part of Nehemiah. And this is after Nehemiah prayed fervently. He steps in front of the king and finds himself being questioned by the king. That was his arena in which his prayers were being answered and coming to fruition right in front of his face. I want to appeal to you this morning. I'm going to take you through this. That all of what Eusis has been through and what she has prayed for has had callous knees about our leadership, our council, our, our membership, people in our congregation. Ladies and gentlemen, our arena is upon us. Our arena has been divinely orchestrated and it's right in front of our face. It's staring us in the face and it, it has a name. It, well, it's 6.2 acres. <laughs> North College. College and Vine. Jerome Street. Our arena is in front of our face. And I want to show you how Haggai and Nehemiah has brought us to this point. But I want to make this statement. That the Lord is bringing our nomadic history to a screaming halt. And he wants to do it through us. He wants to do it through you guys. He wants to do it through me. But he's only going to do it if we recognize, number one, him as our God. And that this is our arena in which he wants to answer our prayer. And then number three, we must step in. 
there must be participation. But we want to participate according to the word. Amen. Don't do it because of me. Don't do it because of Johnny Square, or Rick Richter or a campaign team that uh, is doing an amazing job. Do it because the word lays out for us a way in which to participate. But I'm going to use this absolute that we've never in the history of ESS been at this place. We've never been here. And I don't mean Poudre High School because we've actually been here before. <laughs> but what I mean, excuse me, is that we've never been in a place where we're about to solidify and throw our roots down somewhere and call a building our own. We've never been there. That's an absolute, and it's true. We've never been there. But what, what is it, what is, what, what's about here that is so significant? Eesus in her history has moved five times. We've occupied six buildings. Now, what's interesting is that this next building will be what? It'll be number seven. That's an interesting number. We see that in the word all over the place. Now, there's more to that. I don't have time to, d- to dive into that. But I just want to lay that in front of you. This is building number seven. It's a good, it's a good number. But we moved five times. We started out on South College, not quite to Tynan's, um, the car dealership, but it was a very small, small room. Maybe ten rows back in this little section right here, about as wide as these chairs are, with about 30 people. And this thing grew, and it grew, and it grew, and we moved to Peak Community. Peak Community is on uh, Mulberry, one block east of Mulberry and Remington. I think it's Matthews, or Peterson Matthews is what it is. Now, in that building, man, we went from 100 people to 800 people around there. And it was it was the Lord's doing. This this sanctuary wasn't small, but it wasn't big. But they also had a basement in this place. And we got to the point where we had to put a projector in the basement to project my dad preaching on the pulpit what was going on upstairs so that people, the overflow, we had so many people that they could see and sit downstairs. This is the Lord growing Eosis in her early days. And then from there, we went to Emmanuel Baptist. Emmanuel Baptist is just down the street on Mulberry. It's across the street from Shameless Plug, Little Caesar's Pizza. Hallelujah. Across the street from City Park Lake. Now, in that building, we began again to grow exponentially. Massive sanctuary. We, we got to about 1,500 people in that place. I don't know if we went to three services there, but get the, the next place after that, we did go to three services. And you're sitting in the auditorium that we we met, Poudre High School, 2,500 people, three service, services, packing all of these rows out. This is the history of Eosis and her moving. Now, at that point, and there's no there's no shame in... In saying this, my dad would get up in front of you guys and say that the Lord spoke to him at one moment and said, you know what? Looking at two, two, uh, 2,500 people, some 100000 to $200,000 in the bank, <laughs> he said, you're climbing the wrong mountain. So from that point, our numbers started to dwindle. Now, that statement is not a, a bad statement, that you're climbing the wrong mountain. All it is, it's, it's an it's a inspection of the wall. It's a correct inspection. We'll get to that in Nehemiah 2, 3 through 8 and 11 through 15. But 
at that point, we were here for three or four years maybe. I could be wrong in that, in that uh, assessment. But then we went to 363 Jefferson, which we thought was the place. We thought that we were going to throw our roots down at 363 Jefferson, which is in Old Town Fort Collins. And our numbers continued to dwindle. And in that time, we launched two churches out of Eases. Now, those churches were not Eases churches. They were simply pastors that felt called to go start a church. So we actually blessed them on their way out. We gave them money. We gave them people and said, hey, go do your do what God is asking you to do. But our numbers still went down. And we got to a place where you sat in the front three rows at 363 and you were afraid to look behind you because guess what? Nobody was there. We started with 30, got to 2,500, and then he brought us right back down to 30 people because we were climbing the wrong mountain. Six places. We're about to do number seven. But number seven is different. Number seven is different because this is not us climbing the wrong mountain, ladies and gentlemen. This is Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 that he gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for one purpose, equipping the saints for the work of service, for building up the body of Christ. That is our vision and that is what we are doing right now. It is specific to city transformation. The Lord has said to us, you are climbing the right mountain. So this building in this process is just that. Let me say this. It's just the building. It's just land. Because I'm going to take you into, into Haggai now. When I was uh, before the, the, the transition, we'll call it pre-transition, right? January 1st, 2016 was the day that I took over. So four months before that, my dad and I, which was, it was a privilege to be able to preach with him. But we preached the book of Haggai took us three, four months, two, three months. But the whole, if I was to sum up that book, the Lord brought his people out of exile and they were purposed to build his temple, to rebuild his temple because Jerusalem was in ruins. All right. Now he uses the temple at the end of the book. You realize that he just used the temple to rally his people to what? Unity. It wasn't even about temple he was trying to take his people's perspective from you're building your own house while my house lies desolate he wanted to take their perspective from self-preservation to kingdom perspective what we have in front of us is moving from a nomadic perspective to a place of permanency, a kingdom perspective, a place where we can call home. I can put the key in the door and I don't have to worry about paying rent. Guys, we've never had that before. But the Lord is moving us to that. He's changing our perspective. And then we jump into Nehemiah. How does Nehemiah correlate with where we're at right now in Eos' history? Well, at some point, I'm going to call it six years ago. We were burdened, just like Nehemiah was burdened, with needing to find a place to call home. Nehemiah received word in Nehemiah 1, 1 through 4, and it caused him to do something. It caused him to pray. Well, I can guarantee what we have done. Nehemiah 1, 5 through 11, our senior pastor at the time, 
my dad, the council, the membership, the leadership, and people in the congregation have been praying fervently for this moment. We've been praying and praying to the point where our emotion is something that the Lord has asked us. How do I say this? That the emotion of the moment isn't what makes up the moment. Just as Nehemiah's emotion about what he heard, the state of Jerusalem, wasn't it. It's what he did with that. Now all of this is within us being in 363. So then we get to Nehemiah, the beginning chapters of, the beginning of chapter 2. And Nehemiah finds himself in an arena, in a situation where he is being questioned by the king. And that is something, ladies and gentlemen, that Nehemiah didn't wake up that day. You guys heard me preach this, the 120 days. He didn't wake up that morning and say, you know what, today's the day. Some of you guys in this congregation, you weren't with us when we were at 2,500 people. Some of you were, very few, handful. But you guys haven't seen that. None of you in here thought that this is the church that I'm going to go to and I'm going to step into a, a process where they are trying to solidify a home. That's not something that you woke up and said, that's what I'm going to do. But guess what? You're here. God called you here. You're sitting in these seats. You're listening to a weird guy speak right now. So those 120 days, he didn't, he didn't wake up saying, all right, today's the day that I'm going to tell the king what's going on. Nope. The Lord divinely orchestrated that whole thing. Well, let me say this. In our prayer as Eosis Christ Fellowship, we thought 363 was going to be our place. We did. We did everything in our due diligence to try to make 363 a place where we threw our roots down and J Street was going to finally take take hold. Traction. We would get traction and momentum with that. And the Lord said, I want you here. I want you at 363. My dad received that word. But he never spoke and said, I want this to be your home. He did with us, with 363, what he did with the people in Haggai with the temple. He used that building to rally us to unity. The moment we walked into that place, I'm telling you, it smelled like something strange. It used to be an old machine shop. Colorado Customs was next door. Before that, it was a livery. So you can, you know, kind of imagine the smells that you got when you walked into that place. It was never about the building. He moved us out of 363. And I guarantee we would not have been able to move the way that we did and not lose anybody because we were unified. He used that building to bring his people together. And you know what happened in Haggai? He used the temple to bring his people together. And then it says that the spirit did it for them. The spirit worked through them. He is trying to bring everyone in this room to a place of unity first. Before we can step into this. But like Carrie said, and it's been put up on that, that screen, it's doable. 
it's completely doable. But if we're not unified, it's not going to happen. So where are we in scripture now with Nehemiah? Nehemiah 2, 1 through 2 is the king saying, okay, why are you sad? And then 3 through 8, I touched on this already. Nehemiah responded. And in his response, he did two things. (laughs) He didn't stutter and he shot with precision. Because his arena had presented itself. And he had spent so much time preparing and praying. We've been praying for some six, seven years. We've been preparing with our building campaign. The moment something arises, we're ready. The moment our arena comes up and presents itself, we're ready to step in. We know what we're going to do. Nehemiah did the same thing. But it, it, what's interesting is that Nehemiah specifically asked for three things. One of those things was to the Lord. He said, I need favor. And the Lord granted him favor. But then he turned his attention to the king, just as I'm going to turn my attention to each one of you. And he asked for resources and for letters of safe passage. When you are not ready and the Lord presents the arena in which he's going to answer your prayer. Do we know what we're going to say in that moment? I don't think we know when we're not ready. But when we're ready and we know exactly what to ask for and we've spent every single day, day and night, praying for 120 days and then all of a sudden the situation presents itself, the Lord has already downloaded in us what we need. I'm about to ask you for some things this morning as Nehemiah asked the king. And it's specific to resources. Let's be real, ladies and gentlemen. This building, it's doable. We talked about $250,000, right? This wall in my study was 1.5 miles long. It circled Jerusalem at the time. 135 acres in the time of Nehemiah. At any given point on that wall, the average thickness was 16 feet. And the height was 45 feet. 1.5 miles long. Are you kidding me? Now, in more of my study, there were some areas that they built this wall from the ground up. There were other areas where they just repaired the wall. There are some of you in here who will be tasked to do either or. Not by me. But by God, when we step in, some of you, he's asking to repair your family. He's asking you to build something new in your family. But nonetheless, he's asking you to participate. Nonetheless, he's asking you to take care of the piece of wall that's right in front of you. My goodness, 1.5 miles long, 52 days. That took resources. Nehemiah went specifically asking for resources to build his wall. Man, that was a long introduction. So, are you, are you guys with me? We're going to read Nehemiah 2, 3 through 8, and then I'm going to jump to 11 through 15. And I want you to understand 
this. Do we recognize what's right in front of us? This 6.2 acres is our arena to respond and shoot with precision and ask the Lord for exactly what we need. Amen? I feel much like Nehemiah, burdened with the task of leading you, the flock, through the process of gaining a home. I could not sleep last night because of this message. And here I'm up here like, Lord, is this what you want me to preach? Is this what you want me to say? We start worshiping the guitar. You can't hear it. You can't hear the, the piano, the keys, spiritual warfare up and down. Hey, that means we're doing something right. Not that something wrong is happening. You hear me? You hear what I'm saying? This is massive, monumental time in ESS's history, but I want to respond with confidence. I do. With the reality of where we are and the reality of what we need. The Lord will show us, watch this, through His Word, what it will take to get this done. Not because of what Alex says, but what the Word says. So turn with me to Nehemiah 2, 3 through 8. Let's read this real quick. I hear no pages turning, so hopefully that means you're already there. Or you swiped. Yeah, there you go, pocket knife. Here we go. Nehemiah 2, 3 through 8. Not 3, 3 through 8. Here we go. It says, I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate? And its gates have been consumed by fire. Then the king said to me, what would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. He'd been praying for 120 days. You think he prayed enough? I guess not. He said, so I prayed. I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah to the city of my father's tombs that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? So, based on that response, it pleased the king to send me. And I gave him a definite time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given for the governors of the provinces beyond the river that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's force, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple. For the wall of the city and for the house to which I will go. And the king granted them to me because the good hand of my God was on me. Those are resources, ladies and gentlemen. He shot with precision right there. He didn't stutter. I'm going to continue in verse 11. And we will hit verses 9 and 10 at a later date. But here's what Nehemiah did with his stuff. This is how he responded in his arena in which the Lord chose for his prayers to be answered. It says, so I came to Jerusalem. He left. He went up and he he did what he did. He got up off of his his knees and he, he activated what he was praying about. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I arose in the night. And I, I, excuse me, and a few men with me 
I did not tell anyone what my God was putting into my hand, into my mind to do for Jerusalem. And there was no animal with me except the animal on which I was riding. So I went out by night by the valley gate in the direction of the dragon's well. And on to the refuse gate. The refuse gate. Is it refuse? Refuse gate? Inspecting the walls of Jerusalem. Hear me. Just look at that. Inspecting the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates were consumed by fire. Then I passed on to the fountain gate and the king's pool. But there was no place for my mount to pass. So I went up at night by the ravine and inspected the wall. Then I entered the valley gate again and returned. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done, nor had I, uh, nor had I as yet told the Jews. The priests, the nobles, and the officials, or the rest who did the work. I'm going to stop right there. Now, the importance of what Nehemiah did in these verses. When I say that the Lord has us right where we need to be. We know that this 6.2 acres has been given to us by the Lord himself. We know that. Why? Because we looked at 31 acres before this. Just north of uh, Walmart. And that looked promising. But the process wasn't smooth. It was an opportunity, but it wasn't the opportunity. We couldn't even get a hold of the person who owned the land. We had all these plans for it. We, our building campaign kicked into gear because we thought this was going to be it. But the Lord said, you know what? Here's what I believe that 31 acres was for. Just as he did with us in 363, he got us to a place where it wasn't about the building. And then he moved us out. I believe, and this is my own personal opinion, but I do believe that this is from the Lord, that that 31 acres came about to see if we were going to attach ourselves to that land, just like we attached ourselves to 363. But we didn't do it. And the Lord said, okay, you are ready for what I'm about to give you. Ladies and gentlemen, we're ready for this 6.2. But there's an inspection where are we currently? Can we give these resources? And the answer is yes. But let me be real with you this morning. What are our resources? Number one, they're people. Don't get that twisted. It is people who make up the church. You are our resources. We are our resources. But if I'm not honest with you this morning, then I won't be doing my job. And this entire message is to set up the next six weeks of what you're going to be hearing from the pulpit. We're going to be preaching about four things. Tithing. Giving. Offering. Offerings. And alms. All of those things can be about money. But let me make this statement. They're not the same. Tithing is not giving. Offerings is not alms. Giving is not offerings. Tithing is not alms. They're all separate. They all have to do with resources. 
But if I'm communicating to you effectively this morning, we are in our arena in which the Lord wants to answer our prayer. We need resources. How are we going to act within that? Well, the pastor isn't just going to tell you, hey, let's tithe. What does the word say about money? If we need money, if we need resources, guess what? We're a church who preaches the word. What does the word say about it? If we would simply do what the word says about tithing, about giving, about offerings and alms, we'll have $250,000 before you can even blink. Because the favor of the Lord is on us, ladies and gentlemen. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Yeah. So, I... Because of time, I'm not going to have a chance to jump into any of those four. But what I want to do is make sure that everyone realizes why we're here and how we got here. And that we are in the midst of the Lord asking us to respond. And it's going to take money. But what I won't do is I won't back down from preaching about that. Because if we're going to hear all of the word, guess what? We're going to hear all of it. <laughs> and there's things that come across those pages that convict me as well. This is not, I'm doing this right, you guys are wrong. <laughs> this is us. Let's step into how the Lord says we're supposed to tithe. You guys with me? So my appeal to you this morning is this. Here's our opportunity. Are we going to make the best of our opportunity? The wall's been inspected. We understand our current condition. We understand what we are up against. Yes, it involves money. But let me ask you this question. Can we be the first church... In Fort Collins with 100% of our members and people who visit on a Sunday morning tithing. Can we be the first church in Fort Collins with 100% participation in giving? Understanding that this is not something that I'm asking you to do. As much as this is what the word says we're supposed to operate in every single day. I can't hold you accountable to my opinion, but I can hold you accountable to the word of God. Amen? Pastor's up here. He's asking for money. Oh, no. Just another church asking for money. Well, you know what? I'm asking for you to step into God's economy and watch how he takes just a handful of people and gets his testimony out of us. Oh man. So. Ladies and gentlemen. This is the beginning of a series on giving. It's the beginning of a series on tithing. Offering and alms. But if anybody in here is confused. What I want you to do is come to me. Afterwards. Or 
let's sit down and have a cup of coffee and I can explain to you the seriousness of this and that I'm making this appeal today. This is it. I made this at the beginning of January. Help me build this. Help me build it so that your kids can have somewhere to go where they're taken care of. I have a uh, responsibility to take care of you spiritually, but I also do have a responsibility to take care of you in a physical manner. You need somewhere to go. Let's let's build it. Help me build this. Everybody in here. And you know what it takes? It takes us doing it the way the word says to do it. Help me build it. Let's help each other build it. All you got to do is give 10%. <laughs> it's a little bit of tithing right there. Let's have the worship team come back up as we close and let's get ready for offering and um, communion. But let me just set the stage for next week. Malachi 3. Turn to that. Malachi 3. Verses 8 through 12. And this is specific to tithing. which what, That's what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to peel back the pages on what it means to be a tither, if you want to use that, that term. But more so, it's a follower of Christ. And this is a part of that. It says in Malachi 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Question mark. Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. All of us. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. So that there may be food in my house and test me now in this. That's the, the, the crux of this whole uh, passage. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you. So that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the fields cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. You know, all of those things in verses 10b through 12, I want all of them. You know how we get them? Just give your tithe. Just give 10%. Off the top. You don't even think about it. Why? He says, test me. We're going to put God to the test. Because we're going to be a giving, tithing church. Amen? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what. It's going to start with me. If I'm not tithing, it ain't going to happen. I can ask you to do something that I'm not doing. Let's come up here to offering. And do we have a space for the... Communion. Heavenly Father, as we close this morning, Lord, we understand how you've brought us 
from Eus's conception up until now, what you've done with her through those 25 years. And Lord, we're in a time where we've never been before. And it is not by any coincidence that you've taken us through the book of Haggai and we're in the beginning parts of Nehemiah. Where you've burdened these people. You burdened Nehemiah with building a wall. Well, Lord, you're laying on us a burden for a home. But it's going to happen your way. Our roots are going to get buried deep in the ground where you want them to be. But Lord, there's something that you require of us and it's just participation. And we want to shoot with precision in this participation. And what does that mean? That means that we want to shoot with precision according to the word of God. So what does your word say about resources? What does it say about giving and what those loose in the heavens to us? Lord, we want that. But we know that it's not even about a building. (laughs) It's not even about the land, Lord. It's about your process. And you seeing us as fit to work out your will in this part of Fort Collins. So, Lord, what what gets put in the in the plate today, Lord, I, I pray that we give it joyfully and understand that it's in your word. In Malachi, you say, test me, test me in money, test me in resources and watch how I open up the gates of heaven and let it overflow. Lord, we we receive that. But we receive the invitation to step in as well. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless the offering as it it gets passed. Bless the giving, Heavenly Father. Because this is our arena, which you're answering our prayer. And we praise your name for that in Jesus' name. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Go ahead and pass that. Yes, Lord. So, as we do on the first Sunday of every month... We jump into communion and it's a time for you to get before the Lord and and do as it says in the Gospels of taking his his body, realizing what that represents, taking his blood, realizing what that represents. We've just come off of Easter, knowing that he was a sacrifice for us and we do this in remembrance of him, but the word's very clear about communion and that if you are not a believer to not partake. But he gives us an answer. And that answer is accepting him into your life as your Lord and personal Savior for the first time. So Heavenly Father, if there's anybody in here, Lord, who you've moved on, you've been working on them for a time, Lord, and they're ready. The Spirit has gotten their heart ready to commit themselves to you. This is their time, Heavenly Father. I pray that if anybody wants to receive Christ for the first time, transfer their trust from them to you and bridge the gap between the between us and the Father that was created by sin. Lord, you abolished sin. You abolished death. Lord, if there's anybody in this room who wants to step into that this morning, I pray that they just raise their hand. And we will pray with you. We will take care of you this morning. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. We have communion here and there.